Welcome to Crossway Church Sermons Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.crosswayaz.com. Subscribe to our weekly podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the podcast app. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossway Church AZ and share this podcast link with a friend. If you live in the Phoenix area, come visit us at 3464 West Earl Drive, Phoenix, Arizona, 85017, located in Suite E. Service times are at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and prayer services at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Now, let's dive right in. What is going on, everybody? We are going to get ready to start the second chapter of Revelation. So there is a lot to this. There's a lot going on. So um, I'm just going to let you guys know now that most likely the way things might happen, we might not even get through all of chapter two. Trust me, there is so much symbolism. There's so much uh, in it uh, parallel to what's going on in this this world and these churches. So we're going to get right into this. If you can do me a favor, like this pic, uh, like this video, share this video, send it out. Uh, we're gonna, it's, it's a, it doesn't cost a thing to share this thing. So, uh, let's get this out as much as possible. I'm going to go ahead and start, uh, bring in my, uh, two other co-hosts, uh, tonight. We got, uh, brother, uh, Joshua Landrum and we got pastor Michael. So hello hey guys. Hello. Hello. Um, so we're going to jump right in. Um, first of all, let's just kind of get some, lay some groundwork on revelations itself um the 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 next two chapters are basically they're they're the letters that are that went on uh also with specifically to the churches um so you have the cover the prologue they have the cover letter and this is basically it together and then you put this on top of what the next few chapters are going to be which is the visions um so each of these uh short letters because they're really not as long as we're expecting to be you know the hugest letters there are a couple of verses each um are set up actually in a, a format there's there's a description of jesus there's a uh a, a commendation uh, to their church of uh, what's going to happen what, what are you saying then there's a um a reproof to the church and then there's an instruction and then there's a reward on every single one of these. Uh, there's I, some of them don't have like a commendation. Some of them really don't have like certain things, but we'll get into that as we go along. And, and there's reasons why. So today, chapter two is actually talking to the uh, the church of Ephesus, the the church of Smyrna, the church of I can never say pig, Pergamum, per, Pergamum, Pergamum. Thank you. And then the church of Theatira. So. We're going to get right into it. We're going to jump right in because I know you guys are already probably wondering what's what's happening. Uh, we've done sermons just on these letters alone. Uh, I remember uh, earlier this year, we actually did an entire sermon on uh, the spirit of Jezebel, which is actually going to be read about as we go along. 
So we're going to dive into that. I'm going to bring back some of those uh, those thoughts and we're going to get right into it. So let me uh, put it up on the screen. All right. Um, Michael, before we get started, before we get into did, did was there anything that came up to mind when you started actually studying this? Uh, yeah, there's quite a few things, um, just depending on what you're specifically uh, asking and looking for. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely about that format. Um, I actually, uh, through one of the books that I found, I don't have it. Oh, here it's right here. Um, I actually looked this up. It's, I don't know if y'all could see that. It's Revelation by yeah. Grant R. Osborne. I actually looked, this is only the book that I really caught my attention verse by verse. And in it, it has a, a seven point description of how Jesus wrote out the letters. And the first one is the address. Uh, the second is the messenger formulas. The third is the strengths. The fourth is the weakness. Fifth is the solution. The sixth is a call to action. And the, and the seventh is a challenge to overcome. That was through that book. That was the, the, what, we, what you uh, refer to as the formula uh, that Jesus wrote to these churches. And the another thing that in these is in the in the letters is that we have to remember that it's not just for these churches specifically, but that it's also a spiritual thing that it applies to a spiritual church and to a spiritual people. So what that means is that you can be a uh, Ephesus in a Laodicea. And we'll get more into explaining that, but that, that understand that's the the application is that when we read through these letters, is that we can look at it and we can, and this is Jesus analyzing, or it's a report card to the churches, uh, basically describing how he, how he from heaven's perspective sees the church performance and how as we as believers can apply this for our church and even apply it for our own selves spiritually. Uh, with these letters, it gives us a uh, opportunity. It gives us knowledge and wisdom to be able to accurately discern the time and the season that we're in, whether, you know, you know, and this is this isn't a bad thing, but it's to able to improve and it's to it's to be able to correct where we went wrong and to keep advancing what we're doing uh, well in. So that's just a couple of things really that really stuck out to me before we even get into the into the letters. It's just those couple of things that you know mm -hmm. that you read that you know that there is a format so our God has structure and that He writes in His structure. Uh, and that we can apply everything that we read to us spiritually, that we can apply it to our daily lives and we can apply it to our church. You know, this isn't to, once again, be condemning of churches or to be condemning of ourselves. Obviously, you know, we correct our corrections needed and we give honor to whom honor is due. But this is just for us to be able to accurately and correctly be able to discern the the age or the season that we're in through these letters. Amen. Uh, Brother Josh, uh, when you were, uh, I remember you telling me earlier that, that you were just getting in depth into what you were reading. What, what was something that, that came across your mind reading or came across your heart as you're going through this? Pretty much. I could just piggyback off of Michael. I mean, this is basically a report card, you know, from God to the church. Um, and another way to let um, the church know that, you know, God is aware of everything that we're doing within the church. Um, he's given us uh you know, it's things that he he's proud of. And also there's things that he's he's not so proud of. And it it pretty much tells you, you know, um, it gives you the instructions, you know, on, on what to do. It's like a warning letter um, and it's an awareness letter where he's basically saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm within the church. I'm watching my church. I'm seeing what my church is doing, you know, and then he's also giving correction. But like I said, uh, with with that, you know, um, Correction is a good thing when it comes from God. He corrects the ones he loves. Mm -hmm. And I and I exactly. believe that I believe that um 
you know, this this book of revelations is just that it gives you a revelation of the of the time we're in, um, you know, so we can kind of I mean, because we need correction. We need correction in, in every way, and especially at this time, you know, because ultimately we're here to please God, you know, and 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 just like we correct our children, God is doing the same thing for the church, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I this is an awesome book. Amen. Go back to this. Um, so uh, I say we jump right in. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Uh, this is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have never seen your heart. I'm sorry. I've, I've seen your hard work. Sorry. And your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil evil people you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not you have discovered they are liars so uh the seven churches of the revelation are representative of 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 churches of of the time so they're representation so what we're what we're getting into is basically we're they're a representation of not just like just these specific seven churches they're actually of pretty much all churches around that time some were strong in faith um some were so so and and some were you know deficient like you were saying you know and, you know the 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 report card comes great into play to say this but uh ephesus was like a major metropolis okay uh it was the primary commercial center of asia minor during that time so tur that turkey area um and the temple of uh artemis in ephesus was one of the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world uh, it was in it was actually in Ephesus that Paul led many to Christ. So uh, the church had grown into like this huge like powerhouse. It was a big uh, Ephesus, and you, if you think about it, it's like who who lives in Ephesus? The Ephesians. Um, so that uh, it was Paul that that uh, it was in Ephesus that Paul had led many to Christ, and the church had grown into a power. Uh, Ephesus was also the location of Timothy's martyrdom under Emperor uh, Domitian. I can never pronounce it. Domitian, Domitian, Domitian. I think it's Domitian. Um, and and Jesus addresses each of the churches. He begins by pointing out uh, positive traits. Okay, so you notice how on, on here it says, "I know in all things that you do." Um, let me get this thing to work. I've seen your hard work. You know, um, it's talking about like even here, it's talking about how uh, all the positive traits about it um about what what they're doing uh he, he you know how uh, that, that the please that are pleasing to god you know following by the what displeases him so we're going to get into that in just a minute but you notice how it says in here i know all the things you do i've seen your hard work and your patient endurance i know you don't tolerate evil people you have examined claims of those who say they're apostles but not you have discovered they are liars it's already talking about how they're able to fall call out false prophet people like false people that say that they're men of god men and women of god and they're already able to say uh i know my god's voice i know his i know what he says i know what, he, what he's doing and this doesn't sound legit so that's who these people are you know they, they can spot it out right away so um i mean i'm praying that our church and many churches are like this where they can spot out people who are are fakes yeah, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if it speaks anything else to you guys. 
Um, as you were talking about in Ephesus, just a quick little bit of history, that it was the fourth largest city uh, in the Roman world after Rome, Alexandria, and Antioch of Syria. Uh, the population of this time was roughly 250,000 people living in this city alone. Um, in the worldwide time, there's about two, 250 million living at, uh, in the world, in the entire world at this time. So the entire population of Ephesus was 1% of the entire world's population. Uh, contrary that to today, the largest city that we know in uh, America is California. Now, when we look at the math of California, there is almost 4 million people living in the city of Los Angeles alone and almost 40 million people living in the state of California. There is roughly 7.8 billion people alive. So not even California, the entire state measures up to 1%, which would be roughly about 7.8 billion. So about 78 million people in California doesn't measure, the entire state doesn't measure up to 1%. And remember, Ephesus is a smaller geographically uh, allotted space. So when we're thinking about Ephesus, understand the, the context of how just vast Ephesus truly was. Now, also remember that Ephesus was the leading uh, city of pagan worship, as you mentioned uh, earlier, that they had temples uh, unto Artemis and temples unto, I, I believe it was Zeus. If not, if it wasn't Zeus, then it was someone else anyways. Um, but they were the leading church or the leading uh, city in pagan worship of the Roman religion. Now, another thing I want to point out is that when we're talking about love, uh, that Ephesus was first known for the love. Now we see Jesus makes mention of love in three gospels in Matthew chapter 22, Luke chapter 10, and Mark chapter 12. What stuck out to me as I was doing as uh, researching this Holy Spirit illuminated was the numbering. So the numbering here is very important. Is that Matt is Matthew chapter 22, the number 22 meaning uh, authority, the number 12 meaning number uh, governmental authority. I haven't looked much into the number 10, but just for the math. For the the sake of math, it adds up. So when we're looking into this, because he didn't have love, and we'll get into this uh, later, but understand that in order to walk out in our authority and to walk out in our governmental authorities, that we need the love of God backing us up. And we we'll see this in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And there's so much more that we can talk to, but this is very important. Now, another thing, also, is how is Jesus identifying himself unto this church? He identifies himself as the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand and walks, and walks among the seven gold lampstands. Now, this is important because we see that Jesus is holding the seven stars, so the, so the seven angels of the seven churches firmly in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands, which are the seven churches. So this is important to understand because Jesus is giving to the church of Ephesus the revelation that he is the one who holds the churches in his hand. He is the one who walks among the churches, holds the angels of the churches. And it's not Ephesus that does this, but it is Jesus. This is to remind Ephesus of who Jesus really is because they may have fallen out of understanding who Jesus was because they lost love for Jesus. So that he's reminding them who he is to this church. And that's just important as we under, as we go through uh, the later letters to the churches is that we got to understand how is Jesus identifying, him identifying himself to the churches. So, um, just a couple of scriptures about holding uh, in his right hand. Uh, we have Isaiah 41, chapter 10, uh, Psalms 1, 18, 15 through 16. And the right hand speaks of power, authority, and blessing. It's kind of like when we were speaking about last week, when, when you know, who can separate us from the love of God? God, you know, we're in the presence of, we're in his hand, you know, who can take us? It's a, it's, it's a sign of power. So um, I don't know if you had anything on, on that, Josh. No, it's just uh, well, what really impressed me about that is um, the fact is, you know, just list listening to that letter, 
it's like a confirmation that God is not a being that's so far away from us. Um, he actually walks within our church. You know, he he he's he's closer to us than we think he is. And he's paying attention. And he's he's uh, reporting and making documents on everything. You know, so sometimes I feel like we could feel like God is so far away. But with this uh, letter, it, he's just basically telling us how close he really is to us. Um, so, I mean, that's just. That was one thing that really draw draw me to that is the fact of how 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 close of a relationship God actually has to his church. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just I'm going to have you guys worship. You know, he's in the midst, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So that's 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 that stood out to me. That's amazing. It's like even though he wasn't there physically, he was there you know, with amongst them spiritually that he knew exactly what they're going through. He knows exactly who they are, exactly. No matter what you can try to hide, God knows what you're going through. Yeah, and I right. think so. All right. I mean, that so, points back to the three O's of God that we, we all can agree and confirm is that God is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, meaning that he's all-powerful and omnipresent, meaning he's present everywhere. And, you know, that's just, it's just pointing back to the, to the attribute of who God really is in, these, in, yeah. that, in that letter. So going on, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. That's, that's, that's a powerful testimony for, for Jesus to say about somebody that you patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Another version talks about how, how it says you've left, you've left your first love. Yeah. And I, I remember reading that version and, and, and thinking to myself how leaving the first love of the church means like, um, like a diminishing, you know, like a, uh, it, 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 it slowly starts going away. Uh, those who have been married before can kind of relate to that where they, they had their first love and also they start falling away and, and you feel like that loss is kind of building up. Uh, though Jesus, uh, states, uh, he is against the church for, uh, he's, he's against the church for, for his drifting as a characteristic for the, um, as, as is a characteristic of the love of Christ. Uh, he's still supportive of them. He's still loving of them. He's still caring. You know, he knows that they're they're drifting away, but he still loves them. So it's also really significant that if you say that, he says, if you notice, he says that you've you've left your first love, not you've lost your first love. You've left your first love, which kind of signifies that there's room and possibility for the return. You know, there is not just like um, you're. Uh, you're it's already done and gone with no there's a possibility that you can come back you know that's that's what really really stuck out with me is that it's there are people who have lost their first love there are people who have lost that connection with god where you once had a holy spirit connection that you once had this holy spirit uh revival that you had once this fire for god but now you've kind of fallen away in some way god's saying you've you you've left it but it's still there. It hasn't, it's not going anywhere. You have an opportunity to go back and you can rekindle that fire. Yeah. So. I, I totally agree with that. Um, just to piggyback off of that, you know, um, it kind of puts me in the mind when I, when I actually read that, that, that text, it's kind of like when, uh, for the married people, I don't know, you know, when the effort that you put in, in dating to, to get someone, you put in that extra, you know, that extra effort to make sure that you, Hey, 
I'm kind of I'm, I'm pursuing this person. You know, um, I'm trying to uh, just show them that, hey, I, I, they have me. I'm my interest, my this. And it's the same thing with God. You know, he's seeking that relationship because, um, you know, sometimes with things that happen in the church, you know, that relationship starts to fade away, you know. But when we first receive Christ, it's like a fire where we're, yeah. we're seeking him. We're, we're, we're searching for him. And that's what the thing that God really wants. You know, he wants you to have that same urgency for him that you yeah. had in the beginning, you know, so that your fire won't go dim. You know, we had that we had that that massive fire when we first uh, gave our life to God. We were seeking them. We was we was pushing for them. But as the as time went on, you know, sometimes that light can get dim. You know, but God yeah. is saying, hey, I want you to go back to the, the, the beginning, you know, the fire that you used to have, you know, so. That 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 was a real powerful powerful statement for me, Michael. So what is important to me, or what stuck out to me, very a uh, Holy Spirit highlight was First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Um, the main theme of that context, or the context of the of this chapter, is love. Is that love is our motivation? Uh, I'm not going to get like too much into reading this, but real quick, uh, I just want to read the first couple of scriptures. It says in the Passion Translation. Then this is from the Apostle Paul to the Church of Corinth. It says, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly languages or the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing but a clanging symbol. So right here, Paul is saying the importance of love is the importance of charity. Now, in terms of the church of Ephesus, what is very important and very, very, very scary to really understand when we read it. Is that, is that the church of Ephesus was doing all the right things. The church of Ephesus, they were still calling out the 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 sheep or the wolves in sheep's clothing. They were calling out the false prophets. They were calling out the false apostles. They were still working for God. They were still in ministry. They were still pursuing him, but they just left all their love. That is very scary because a lot of people, especially in the church, we can get into this place if we're not careful. So what, what, what we must understand is that they left their first love because they got comfortable with where they were. They became comfortable mm -hmm. with, with, with just, you know, doing business as usual. It, be, it became normal to them. And it's not to say that, you know, we don't get a place of normality, you know, within the church, you know, but what happens is that they got so used and so comfortable to doing it that they forgot love. They left love out of it. They're like, oh, we got it down to a science. We have a formula. We have programs. We know what to do. So they just relied on their knowledge and instead of revelation, instead of pat, instead of pursuing Jesus with passion, they now just did everything out of old wisdom, out of out of old revelation, out of what they used to know, what they what they the what worked for them back then. That's what they're pursuing everything after. They were still they were still going to church. They were still doing all these things for the for the ministry for God's kingdom, but yet they just left love out of it. So if we know that First Corinthians chapter thirteen, Paul states that you know when. Uh, because I do not have love, I have been reduced to a sound of a of a clanging symbol. You know, that's how this church of Ephesus sounded to God, is that they were a clanging symbol. Yes, they may have been doing so many great things, but because they left love out of it, they were they their sound was reduced to nothing more than a clanging symbol. Now I'm next to the drums during worship, and then and when the cymbals start playing, you know, when it's just nothing but cymbals, you hear a blaring, it starts to mess with their eardrums. It begins to vibrate your eardrums and becomes a, a, an annoyance to your ears because it it's messing with your ear it's messing with your eardrums and it starts to you know upset you it starts to get you annoyed because it's it, it's not producing any sound it's just a bunch of 
of, of sound waves crashing against each other. So that's how this church of Ephesus was sounding unto God is that, that they were doing all these things, but because love was not motivating what they were doing, it was just reduced a whole bunch of crashing sound waves into the thrones of heaven. Now, what is very important to understand once again is that they were they once had a passion, but because they but because they were uh, they got comfortable with what they were doing, it was reduced to nothing more than a clashing symbol. And this is very uh, very scary once again because we can become this church of Ephesus if we're not careful. Now remember, each of these seven. Now remember, this church did not plan on becoming the loveless church. They weren't planning on that. You know, they thought they were doing everything right. You know, they thought they were doing all the good things, but because they weren't pursuing with passion, they they received this letter of being called the love of of leaving their first love. Now, referring back to what Josh said, uh, you know, when you first fall in love with somebody, you know, you start chasing after them with passion. You know, you don't relent. You want to prove yourself that you love them. So you just chase after them. You know, you want to be with them. You, 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 you know, you prove your love to them. This church, they once proved their love to Christ, but they feel like I've already proved my love to him. You know, what why do I need to keep proving my love? And understand that it's not it's not that Jesus doesn't believe that he doesn't that we don't love him, but it's that we constantly we constantly prove our love and our passion for him. One last thing. Uh five characteristics. This is out of the Passion Translation. Uh notes on five qualities of, of the church. And this is found in the footnotes. Ooh. And it says uh, the first one is the working for the kingdom. Now, if you don't have, I don't know if the if the Bible app shows the footnotes, and if you don't have the, no. the physical Bible, but if you just want to jot down the notes real quick, it says in the Passion five qualities of the church, or they should be known, is the first one is working for the kingdom. Number two is persevering. Number three is not being tolerant of sin. Number four is examining the claim of ministries. And number five is enduring trials bravely. And it says, yet doing all this without a passionate love for Christ, for Jesus Christ, weakens our power and witness in the world. It literally, not having love for, for Christ weakens our power and our witness to the world. And if you're, and if, you know, I mean, we all, we're all uh, commissioned to preach the gospel. But, you know, just understand that it, it weakens our witness to the world when we don't pursue God with love, when we don't do everything with love and with passion for Jesus Christ. Uh, going on to the next verse. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the uh, among the churches. I want to read you a different version. It says, "Remember, therefore, where you have uh, from from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your uh, lampstand from its place." unless you repent now check this out that's actually kind of a big deal uh that a lot of people don't understand what he's talking about here once again it's it's, it's symbolism it's, it's 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 a representation of stuff so jesus is advising the church to remember its initial enthusiasm its initial uh fire like like brother josh was talking about like when, remember when you first got saved and you wanted to you wanted to go save the whole world you want to go how can i go uh, share the gospel to people how can i go share this to every other when you first got saved you got excited and you wanted to share it like crazy um jesus is telling him go back to that go back to that uh he urges us to repent and go back to the church's first works and when he says remove your lampstand it means to rep to place judgment on the church and remove its representation at the throne of God. That's what it means mm -hmm. to remove 
your lampstand. There is a judgment coming if you do not repent. There is a judgment coming. Not and notice that he's not saying this to the sinners. He's saying this to a church. Right. This is saying to people in the church. There are people who are going to church, and this is going to be hard for people to take. This is this is. But uh, better is a rebuke, uh, open rebuke than uh, hidden love. So what we're trying to tell you, this is this is a this is something that needs to happen to the church. That we need to go back to that enthusiasm, or we're gonna have. Or it's gonna you're gonna lose your representation at the throne notice that jesus uses the word quickly this urgency gives his warning adding significance that it's gonna happen whether you like it or not that if you're not careful you're going to be a part of the judgment that loses your representation at the throne meaning that you will not make it to heaven if you do not get right with god because there is a judgment coming that's right man i just you said it you said it all man it's it's a judgment coming Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, like I said, I feel like this whole scripture is, is based off of judgment, judgment and instruction. Um, God basically puts the consequence out there, you know, and, uh, like a lot of, a lot of people within the church don't want to accept it, but God said, this is what it is. You know, whether you accept it or not, this is what's going to happen. So it's basically, it's like a warning to the church, you know, that it's time to go back and repent and, and you know, move like it's your first love again. Mm. Pursue me. Pursue others. You know, because when, like I said, when we first got that fire, we, hey, we ready to go heal the world, you know, but somewhere down the line, we allow that fire to get dim. You know, mm. and, and God is not looking for, you know, uh, he's not looking for, for he, he wants that flame. He wants the fire. You know, um, and and that's what he's want he wants to operate through, you know. I just feel like I mean it's it's a, it's a deep scripture, um. But without that fire, you have nothing. Yeah. I feel like in my heart that fire symbolized the anointing. Mm. You know, we can all speak a good word, but what's a good word without the anointing behind it? You know, um. You set you you set aside to be the light. But if that lamp, if that lamp stand is removed, what do you have? What power do you have? Yeah, yeah that's 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 pretty much exactly when you, when you have your lamp stand removed. It's it's like you're saying you have lost your presentation. You lost your authority. You've lost all power. You've lost everything. So when it comes time to pray, when it comes time to to speak the the anointing over someone, to prayer over somebody, you've lost that because you stepped away from God, where God called you to be. Michael? Oh, yeah, just going into the whole Jesus calling the church into remembrance. Uh, remember how far you have fallen. Really, I mean, he's not telling you to remember as in reminisce, meaning that, you know, just look, not look back at the times, but remember, but look how far down you have fallen. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, you know, for this nation, you know, oh, I used to remember when, you know, not, not the good old times, but the, but how strong we were as a nation, how united, and look how divided we are as a nation. So what it, what remember what Jesus is saying here with remember, he's saying look at how uh, zealous you once were, look at how on fire you were, look how passionate you were, you know how much love was backing up everything that you did. He's telling them remember the love that you had for me from the beginning, and he's and he's telling them this not just to remember, you know everything that happened because there was still there was still in a move there was still uh moving you know there was still mm -hmm. uh you know proving people to be false you know they were still going to church they're still doing ministry 
but they once again they didn't have no love behind what they were doing so jesus was calling them to remember how full of love how passionate they were um so what what he's so really even within ourselves is that when we read these is that we examine ourselves like okay when i first got saved or when i got re-saved re-baptized or when i just found a new a fresh love for christ um you know that one thing that we're doing is that we're remembering how passionate we once were and and understand um one thing is that our passion always increases our our hunger and our thirst always increases but what uh so that's just a whole other tangent but jesus is telling them remember how far you have fallen look at where you once were in love for me and look where you are now and this takes a a humble heart really to to receive and to do such because a lot of people you know even myself included in situations we want to think that we're doing everything right and when someone tells you you know look how when jesus tells you look how far you've fallen you you take that serious but you know and they and they they did because they got themselves right but you know we look at this and this is once again ourselves that we look at it and we're just like and we got to reevaluate you know our passion you know our love has it been has it been tainted has it dimmed uh throughout the times uh and another thing is that when when you're evaluating it when you're remembering is that you you remember how you're look when you're looking back understand holy spirit will illuminate what went wrong or where you lost where, where you initially started to lose your passion and he will show you what happened in those stages and how you can correct it and get back up there where you once were in your zeal and passion and and love for christ so that's just the amazing thing is that you know god will he will show you something and he will show you how to get back to where you once were or he'll show you something of where you used to be and how far you've came along the road so when we're when we're reading this you know as with every single letter you know we we read it and we look at and we evaluate ourselves with it you know we don't just read it and say oh that was a good scripture or a good letter but that doesn't apply to me because that's pride you know if we say that doesn't apply to me that's pride and that's most likely a demonic spirit blocking you to what you truly need to be understanding and reading so when we're reading it you know we come at we come into the bible in a place of humbleness and meekness and you know so in submitting to the word of god and allowing it to have its and allowing the word of god to have its work in us that it would change us and transform us into more like christ so as we continue on with these letters just always you know when you read it you know evaluate yourself you know is this me and you'll know if it's you or not you know when you read it, like okay no this isn't me and it's not something prideful but it's just a genuine holy spirit led evaluation uh it'll always be fruitful i love how he when we get into these scriptures it just there's like there's the i love what you're doing this is how you you this is what you're doing wrong this is how we can fix it it's not a not a just this it's not all like doom and gloom it's like saying you know what hey this is what you're doing let's fix this and it continues and gets it's it gets even better so let's go back to the next one it, the next one says but this is in your favor see how he kind of goes back but this is in your favor you hate the evil deeds of the nicolation nicolatians what was it did we heard it like Nicolaitans, um, just as I do. Now, check this out. The Nicolaitans, nations, Nicolaitans, I can never pronounce that. Um, <laughs> they were like, I know, right? I, I thought you said you were going to be the one that messes up. No, it's me. All right. <laughs> um, they were some messed up people because they were very, very greedy. They were, they were just, um, they were known for having devious lifestyles and they had, they were known also for having some false teachers among them. So, uh, 
if you notice that it says, I mean, we can pull it back up. I just had it. It says, but this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. It didn't say you hate the Nicolaitans. It says you hate the evil deeds. You hate what they're doing. It didn't say anything about like, oh, you hate them. Just like God didn't hate the Nicolaitans. Yeah. He didn't hate the people. He hated what their deeds were. That's why people are like wondering, like, well, good does God hate uh, all such? No, he doesn't hate the people. He loves the people. For God so loved the world, he died. Uh, you know, he died for them. He hates the deeds of what's going on. So this is a representation of, of what's going on around you. Uh, you think about your, you know, people who don't love God, people who don't go to church. That's who they are. They're, they're, they're like, they, they connect with the Nicolaitans. They, God doesn't hate them. He hates the deeds that they're committing. So. Uh, I don't know if that that struck a chord with anybody else. I mean, I know it definitely with me because especially like the idea of that when people say, well, um, you just you don't like me because I, I'm this or or because I believe this or I do this. No, we we don't hate you. We just don't like your deeds. We, we despise because that's what, according to the word of God. Yeah. Um, next one. Verse seven. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches, to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. So here Jesus is calling for repentance. Anyone who hears this must listen and stand and understand that he's saying to the churches, to everyone who is victorious. I he's, call, he's basically calling for repentance. Anyone who, over, who overcomes is victorious. But the book of John gives us a definition of an overcomer in uh, 1 John, uh, I wrote it down right here. 1 John 5, John defines the victorious one as a believer in Christ when Jesus states in this verse, I will give you, I will, I will give to eat from the tree of life. He's referring to eternal life. He's not just saying uh, there's an actual tree. No, he's saying, I will give you eternal life. So what you do here to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God, meaning that if you decide to repent, if you come back to me, I will give you eternal life. Just like John 3, 16 states, you know, whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. The next letter, uh, before we get into that, I want to, I want to remember we were ta talking about the formulas. Let's go over mm -hmm. the formula real quick uh, of what the first church was. Uh, I'm going to share mine and Michael will share from his. Cause like, obviously we both got, we, we go, both got different kind of study material for this uh, content. So, um, the description that you saw was actually, um, at the beginning, it talks about how Jesus holds the seven stars, uh, and he walks among the lampstands. Okay. The commendation was he recognizes their hard work and their deeds and, and doctrine. Uh, the reproof was, is that they left their first love, meaning that they're, they're not, it's not a re exactly a re rebuke, but it's, a, it's a like saying, Hey, this is what you you're getting wrong. This is what we need to fix. The instruction was do what you did before. When you first got saved, when you first got in, into the love of Christ, when you first got there, let's go back to that. Let's, let's, let's bring that back in. Uh, instruction. Uh, that was the instruction. And the reward is that you'll eat from the tree of life. So God is saying, yes, you're doing all these great things. So you can almost think about some of these, these big churches who, yes, they're doing great things. They're doing powerful things. They're doing uh, mighty things for the kingdom. They're doing, you know, 
wonderful thing, but they've left their first love. They've left that passion. They left the fire. They left the zeal. They left the, the enthusiasm. They've, they've left the spirit of revival behind. And God is saying, if you stay this, if you stay this course, you're going to die. You're, you're not going to see the, the, the kingdom. You're not going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have your lampstand, your representation removed from the throne room. That that's, that's a heavy, that's a heavy price to pay for not wanting to get repent, you know, repentance back into your heart. You know what I mean? Um, so now he's saying, go back to that zeal, go back to that fire, go back to that, that anointing, go back to that, that prayer. Like go back to that, that when you first got excited, go back to that. And, uh, what he says, I will give you eternal life. I will let you eat of the tree of, of, of life. Michael. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, for those who this particular letter is striking, um, I can only exhort you in a couple of things. One is let allow Holy Spirit to have us work in you to highlight things. That's the number. That's the number one thing. The second thing is is to get back into prayer and to get back in the Word of God. That those are the biggest and really the only exhort that I can give in this moment for you is just primarily allow Holy Spirit to highlight things for you because He will He will shine a light on. Things that you may have not even known. I mean, just even myself, I'm saying, you know, where have I fallen? If I've fallen in love and even in a in an inch, Holy Spirit reveal it to me that I, you know, that I would repent because even falling an inch is still falling from your first love. No matter how great the distance, you still fell from your first love. So and Jesus didn't say that, you know, I mean he says, look how far you've fallen, but he didn't say you fell, and this is just in terms of distance that we can understand. He didn't say that you fell a mile or that you fell 10 miles or that you fell oh, 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 an inch. He says that you've fallen from your first love. So, I mean, this really, it, it can apply to us all if we allow it to have such. Now, there's some, I mean, the Church of Philadelphia where it, it doesn't affect them, but just in us, you know, just to be humble and receive correction because God doesn't correct without giving a uh, an exhortation or an encouragement to it you know he'll show us something and it says this is this is what happened and this is how you can overcome this is how you can make things right so that's just the exhortation i can give you in terms of what you're asking about the formula um once again it was just those seven things it's the address of whom jesus is writing to uh the messenger which is who jesus is or his identification the strengths of the church which is three the fourth is the weakness of the church the fifth is a solution to the weakness and how to solve it. The sixth is a call to listen. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And the seven is a challenge to overcome. So that's just, especially for this part right here, because not all churches have a weakness and all churches have a strength. Uh, so this is, you know, for this church specifically, it hits all seven. So when we're looking at it, I mean, just uh, really, this is just, we're just going to sit under it and let it speak to us and not try to force anything or even reject anything and let's just you know just be humble and receive it and just receive the correction receive the you know the exhortation the 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 second wind if you will to advance in in uh in getting back to your first love uh josh yeah it's just um basically to me it's just like a um a self-evaluation like michael said just taking it with a humble approach we all know that any correction that comes from God is for our, our, our benefit, you know, and I just believe that, you know, just by how he's speaking to the church is that, you know, it's not a form of, you know, you, you failed at this, you failed at that. It's, it's a sense of 
wanting to draw you back into that relationship, you know. But I just, uh, like I said, with correction comes greatness. It comes growth, and I believe that's what God is trying to do in this in this uh, to this church. He's just trying to show them, you know, that hey, I recognize what you do, but there's areas that you tend to forgot about. And those areas are important areas because the thing of it is with that relationship, you know, you 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 got so far gone that you you started to forget the 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 thing that actually draws you to my work, and that was your love, you know. So, I mean, it's just a it's just a a, a humbling thing for me because, like I said, me reading this scripture, I'm relating this to my life. God, where can I improve? How far have I gotten away from you as far as a relationship? You know, we get so caught up in the work that sometimes we forget the relationship, I believe. So, I mean, it's just a humbling thing for me. It's a, it's it's humbling to me. With correction comes love. It's, it's love and correction. Wow. So the next one we're going to get into is uh, Smyrna. Okay. So uh, this one is actually pretty interesting because if, if you really pay attention, there's really no there really is no reproof on this one verse eight write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. this is a message from the one who is the first and the last who was dead but now is alive now obviously that's uh that's that little part right there let me pull that up the first and the last it's 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 it's, it's like a direct subject line saying hey, this is from jesus this 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 message is not just from john uh john this is from jesus so i, I always like that where he how he has different formats of saying who it is so mm -hmm. if you really pay attention to the beginning verse the beginning part of the letter it's always like something like that which is really cool i know about your suffering and your poverty so real quick um smyrna was actually a major seaport city uh they're they were known for making wine and and many of their other temples uh with one dedicated to actually emperor uh tiberius but the people the church were basically poor okay so that's why it says i know about your suffering and your poverty so even there is confirming there were there is a very poor church yet uh as we go along there is no rebuke instead jesus extends comfort and support so what i love about jesus in this is God's never going to kick you while you're down, but yet he will bring about a rebuke when you need to be, when you need to hear it. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it says, I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they're Jews, but they're not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Now that hits hard because uh, in this day and age, it sucks to say it's really bad to say that there are churches fighting with other churches for place. They're right. looking to take your. They're looking to take your lampstand. They're looking to take your place. They're looking to take your position. They'll do everything they can. They'll talk you down. Talk about oh, you don't want to go to that church. That church is dead. They don't want to go to that church. That church is not on fire. That church is that. That church is dying. I'm not gonna lie to you. We've had that happen to us. People have told that about the church. Why would you want to go there? That church is dying. When we were first starting, we were people were saying that about us, and that's sad. When we first started the church, people were talking about this. And it reminds me of this right here. They say they're Jews, but they are not because they're their synagogue belongs. Reason being that it says it belongs to Satan is because if you think about it, reason why it belongs to Satan is because they've allowed that spirit of Jezebel to enter 
that is no longer a, a church of God is a church of the spirit of, of and an, almost an antichrist mentality where they're trying to bring down instead of build up. You know, they forgot that we're all the body of Christ and they're just seeing the church, that church there, that church there. They're not seen as the body. So I know the blasphemy of those opposing you, meaning you're preaching the word of God, yet they're telling you that church is not on fire. That church is not on fire. Um, they're, you're, you're doing a powerful work for the kingdom, yet other churches are saying these things about you. That's what it's talking about in this, this little section. Um, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. Now, I don't always see this as being a physical place. I see this also when it says uh, when he's going to throw you in a prison. Sometimes I, I, I definitely see this as a more spiritual. Mm. You know, some of us have been in prison of our minds, prison of our, of our hearts, prison of depression, prison of alcoholism, prison of whatever it might be. Prison. You you were once free, but now you're, you're uh, you know, it, it's really hitting you. There's some people who are even watching me now that are in prison to their own spirit, uh, physical prisons but i mean they, they can't walk they can't talk they can't there's something going on don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer the devil will throw you some of you in a prison to test you you will suffer for 10 days and that's not always specific 10 days because time is different to god um but if you are remain faithful even when facing death i will give you a crown of life i know that spoke to me um but uh brother josh when you hear something like this and and, and it says you know that the devil is going to throw you in prison but remain faithful when you're facing that i will give you a what does that speak to you well to me it speaks that you know god is warning us of the i guess it, it, it'll basically come off of what i was saying before persecution is coming god is just basically separating the tares from the wheat it's a situation where it's like okay we have those that say they will stand for me but then we have those that will actually stand for me you know, it's kind of like uh, we have those that talk about it and then we have those that's about it. And it's going to come a time where, you know, even now in this moment, to a certain extent, it may not be to the point of death just yet. But mm. God is looking at who's really standing for him in the time just with this whole pandemic thing that's going on. I believe that this is God already in the process of judging his church and separating the tears from the wheat because you have those that say, hey, I'm for God. I'm going to walk through to the end. But the moment that tribulation come, you know, those that spoke that word, they're not actually walking that life, you know, and it's, it's going to come a time where, you know, I've always said it, that to serve God, you have to be willing to die for it because persecution mm -hmm. is going to come. It, he didn't say it might come. He said it will come, you know, and this is just the preparation for the church, you know, to evaluate, evaluate your faith, you know, and I feel like mm -hmm. this whole pandemic thing has been a test for the church. To see where do you stand in your faith? Exactly. I mean, there are so many people that that are willing to 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 claim to the to the the statement that you know the Lord is my Savior. Or, or we're, we were talking about it earlier. How people get the tattoos, they get the wristbands, they get the shirts, they get the 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 big Bibles, they get all these great things. But yet, when it comes to be right or die, they ain't about that life. You know, they ain't about that that heart. They ain't about that that thing. They'll say everything, but the second the storm comes. They'll, they'll post all the scriptures they want. They'll post all these powerful things that they want. But the second the storm comes, it's like, you know what? 
forget church. I don't really want to go. I don't feel like I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like worshiping today. I don't feel like praising God today. Uh, there's just too much going on. I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to go because I think it's the wrong place for me to be. I'm not in the right mind. I'm on the right. That's the place you should be. When you're when you're broken hearted, when you're torn down, and you feel like everyone everyone else is against you, that's the place where you should be. Is church. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but the the I've had days. I've had days where I've been so tired. I didn't want to go to church. I've had days where I felt so beat up. I didn't want to go to church, but it's, it's a sacrifice. It is, it is, it, 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 you are sacrificing the flesh to show who you are. Um, I wanted to go back to something real quick uh, before I go to Michael, to have Michael talk about this. I, want, I wanted to share this one part real quick was the, um, the, the part where it says, uh, they are not, they says that the Jews, but they're not because they, the singing of belongs to Satan. It reminds me of uh, of a story of Polycarp. Um, Polycarp was like a martyr, and what happened was uh, during this time when he was uh, basically martyred, there was Jews that literally went and got the firewood to burn him. Okay, mm. there was Jew. There are people that call themselves Jews, and they went and got the firewood to help you know to to, to martyr him. What is that about? There, you're going to go through situations where people who call themselves Christians, who do everything they can, who, who push and say, like, I'm a Jesus lover. I, I, what would Jesus do? And all this stuff, who will turn their backs on you on a dime if it does anything to help uh, to, to push their agenda. So, Michael, I don't know. What, what's it going on, on on you when you hear this? Michael. Yeah, I mean, just going off of what Josh said, um, in this time of coronavirus, I mean, God's been show, exposing a lot of things within the church. I mean, just our really our complacency in a lot of things, you know, our complacency in attendance, our, our lack of zeal, you know, just the way the way that we have built the church. You know, God's been exposing a lot of the things within the church. Brother Josh was speaking about the the wheats and the tares. And real quick, I do want to touch on that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 25 uh, and what what Jesus? I'm very. I'm just going to sum it up really, really, really quick. Jesus said that the the heavens kingdom will come to compare to a farmer who planted good seeds in his field. The sad of passion translation, uh, for word for word. But at night, when everyone was asleep, an enemy came and planted poisonous weeds among the wheat and ran away. Well, when the wheat sprouted and bore grains, the weeds also appeared. Within us, you know, even just in the in the context of the church. Um, you know that the enemy has has planted uh has planted uh weeds you know seeds of, of weeds within us and also and I actually I, I should uh point the the very last part of this of this parable because it's so important because really this uh, this will change the way that you see or even that you just do a lot of a lot of things in terms of the weeds and the weeds and it says uh the the farmer responds to that this has to be work of the enemy uh the the workers replied do you want us to go and gather up the weeds he said no so the farmer says no so god would say no uh if you pull out the weeds you might uproot the weed at the same time you must allow them to grow together until the time of harvest at that time i'll tell my harvesters so harvesters in, in uh, biblical terms we even see this in revelation that they are angels that there's angels of harvest at that time i'll tell my harvesters to make sure they gather the weeds first and tie them all in bundles to be burned so Within us, within the context of our own personal selves, and even as the church in general, is that we always allow God to do the work. We allow God to, to release the angels of harvest. And this is obviously talking about, because it talks about tying up the weeds to be bundled up and burned. So it's talking about hell. You know, it's just talking about believers. But even within us, 
uh, personally is that we we don't go after it and we start tearing at the weeds because if we tear at the weeds, we might tear at the wheat. So we always allow God to, to do the work because when we allow him to do the work, he always has a purpose and a plan in the way that he does it, that it will always save the wheat because we never want to lose any wheat among the weeds. I mean, even just losing one wheat is devastating. So we allow God to do that. Now, in, in context of what just happened in Smyrna, Jesus identifies himself as the beginning and the end, the one who became a course but came back to life. So as we were talking about earlier, is that every identification Jesus gives to a church is personal. So here, as we see the church of Smyrna, they're going or Smyrna, they're going through a lot of situations. Jesus is saying, I am the beginning and the end. So this is to give the church of Smyrna uh, hope. It's, it's to give them a, a something to hold on to. And a, and a lot of prophetic words that we receive personally, it, it's to help us in our dark times. You know, you know, we'll have someone you know speak a prophecy over us or speak life over us and say that, you know, that mm -hmm. the situation we're going through won't last long. Jesus was, was speaking that to the to the church of Smyrna. He was saying that I'm the beginning, the end, the 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 one who became a course became outside. So he's telling the church of Smyrna who, who I am. He's telling them of who he is. He's saying that I'm the beginning and the end. So he's saying that I know all things that you're going through. I was there before your church was formed and I was there, you know, to the end of time and throughout all eternity. So he's reminding the church of Smyrna who he is, that they would hold on to this hope that, you know, that Jesus has a, God has a purpose for what's going on. So he gives that to them, that, that revelation of who he is to them personally so that they would cling onto that for dear life and he says that you know because of all the painful difficulties you pass through in financial hardships even though you possess rich treasure so this is talking about just you know in our in their spiritual eyes that they were being attacked and actually in philippians chapter 3 i believe it's uh verse 10 paul says that it's uh, a privilege it's a privilege to partake in christ's suffering he says that it's a privilege to actually partake in the suffering because it takes us deeper with him so what Jesus was, what Jesus is saying that that you're going through this, and we take this as ourselves, is that when we go through suffering, is that we count all joy. You know, Romans chapter eight twenty eight, or it's not twenty eight, I think it is, but in Romans chapter eight, you know, the apostle Paul says that you know that we know that all things work together for good. A lot of people have perverted that to say that only good things happen to true Christians, even though they just they neglect everything that Jesus says that will happen to a true disciple that they can expect persecution. They just pervert that one scripture. What Paul was saying is that the Apostle Paul was saying is that we know that all things work together for our good, so that we know that God's plan is ever working on our behalf, and then it's always going to produce good, even though we may not understand what is happening in this moment, even though we may not know what we're going through, even though it may look very dark. We always know that God is within us. He strengthens us, and He has a plan and a purpose for everything. So He's reminding the Church of Smyrna, "I am with you in the storm, and don't be phased by by what's going on around you." And he's telling them of the things that are to come, but he says, um, but he says here, for ten days uh, you will have distress, but remain faithful to the day to the day you die, and I'll give you the victor's crown of life. So he's giving them an encouragement to stick out every situation. He's he's commending them, he's exhorting them to to stay strong in who he is, to stay to stay rooted in him. And this. For ourselves as Christians today, this is a reminder that we don't stay rooted in the world or, you know, when things go good, because not everything's going to be good all the time. You know, sometimes we're going to get, you know, sick. Sometimes we're going to go through situations. And if we and if we base our 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 rooted, our um our strength in the situation of, you know, just, oh, I seen the fire of God, you know, touch me last week and we root ourselves in that. You know, when the storm comes, we're not rooted in God, we're rooted in what he did. And because of that, you know, it's not to say that. 
know everything that God does is good. I understand that. All I'm trying to say here is that we don't root ourselves in what he can do, but just simply of who he is. When you root yourself in who he is and not what he can do, you actually create around, you create and within you a, uh, a safeguard. I think that's the right word I'm looking for is a safeguard that no matter what happens, you will always be strong in Christ. You know that you may be going through some things. You know that you may lose a family member. You may go, you may get sick. You know, you may, um, lose your car. You may, you know, be, you know, you may be struggling against me, but you know that God is with you and you're rooted in him. And no matter what happens, you will, he will always provide and he will take care of you. And everything that happens to you works for your good. I love that. Continuing on to verse um, 11, this part is gets, it gets really good. It says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Now that part, or says anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. He's talking about the word of God, especially he's talking to the churches, anybody who has an ear. So when you, hear, he's talking about the people you need to understand when there's a word out there, when there's a word that needs to get spoken, when there's a powerful uh, word of God, that anyone who has an ear must listen. They need to hear what the spirit of God has for you. That's why we, when we pray, when we start out some of these, uh, these sermons, we, we say, God, let there be a miracle of communication because you need to hear what is being said. It's not just to say, just a, just a, Oh, we're just doing this just because we want to No, It's it says must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Not so that's why we got to go with uh, like the word uh, the book of Proverbs talks about to, to give uh, wisdom. The reason why we need wisdom is so we can almost like we can translate what is being spoken to us. So it's not just words in front of us on a page. God, let me use wisdom. Means I'm able to now look at this and translate it into what it needs to be. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. And if you don't understand what that means, what second death is, is it means is being delivered from the judgment throne that leads to hell. Okay. Uh, there's a saying, this is a, a, you live once you die twice. You die. Uh, you, uh, you, you're born twice, uh, born once die twice, born twice die once. What is that? What's it referencing to is that you are born once by your mother. If that's it, that's all you've ever been born. But then you, you die twice. You die in your, your flesh. Then the second mm -hmm. death is you are, you then go to hell. That's the second death it means that you're not only just dead here. You're, you're dead in hell. So what it's talking about here is whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Meaning that's what we're talking about. Means you were born once of your mother. Then you were born again into Christ Jesus. Meaning that you will only die in your flesh and you'll never die again. You will not be harmed by the second death. So I don't know about you, but I ain't planning on going to hell. I ain't planning on, on experiencing that second death. I do not. I mean, we already, we already deal with it as enough as it is. We had what, over 100 days of over 100 degrees. I don't know if I can handle anything beyond that anymore. I mean, imagine there's a place hotter than hotter than Phoenix, hotter than Yuma, hotter than uh, Parker, hotter than all these other places you've probably even been to. That there's a place where you can't breathe, you can't see, and that's that's. I mean, that that feels like a, a second death to me, where you're just living that for all eternity. God is saying there is a judgment coming for those who are not hearing the word of God, who are not understanding what it's saying, and you're gonna be. You know, you're going to be a part of the, the people that, that when, when, when God comes, you're, if you're not right, you're going to be left. You know, if you're, if you're not right with Jesus, you're, you're going to experience this. We're going to move on. Um, 
we're probably only gonna the way we're we're moving. We're, we might we might get through this second chapter, but I I really want to dive in a little bit more of this, um, brother Josh. We always talk about this. We always talk about how there's a judgment coming. There's, there's people just don't want to hear. It. Yeah, people don't want to hear it. Yeah, you know, a lot of the times it's just to me it's a situation where you know they say what you don't know can hurt you. Yeah, and I just believe that you know a lot of times that within the church today. A lot of vital information is left out. The guy wants to get across to his people. It's just the full gospel hasn't been getting preached. And I know a lot of people like to preach on the fact of grace, but no one likes to speak on judgment. And and, and it's the judgment, you know, yeah, God give us grace, but it's the judgment that's going to determine your eternity. And I feel like, you know, that's something that's really overlooked because a lot of the times the people that give the message don't want to speak on the judgment because they know that judgment applies to their life also you know not not to say everyone you know because you know i know god has his people and you know but some people that's at behind the pulpit they're not trying to speak on judgment because they'll be calling out their own sin on a lot of things so i just feel like we speak of grace a lot but judgment really needs to be pushed in the church today because if we look where we at in the Bible right now, we're in judgment. <laughs> and yeah. that's not getting spoke of. But God is trying to relate a message to the church saying, hey, I gave you my grace. But it comes a time where judgment is coming. I'm judging you right now. You know, I'm you're, you're making a, de a decision right now where you're going to spend your eternity. But I'm giving you a warning, you know, because God is always going to give you that opportunity to make your decision. But it mm -hmm. comes a time where that grace is going to cut off and you're going to have to face judgment. Yeah, I mean, just scripture that really sticks out. Jude, in the book of Jude, so the book preceding Revelation, uh, in the verse, in the seventh verse, it says, In a similar way, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and nearby towns gave themselves to sexual immorality and the unnatural desires of different flesh. Now they all serve as examples of those who experience the punishment of eternal fire. Now, remember that heaven and hell are eternal. This is probably the weightiest thing that we, that we have ever said this whole night and probably will ever say uh, is the realities of the eternities of the eternity of heaven and hell. It's eternal. You know, once you're in hell, you, there's no getting out. That's really the scariest thing for people is that there is no there is no hope out of John Ramirez. Now I'm just quoting off the top of my head when he said he went to hell when Christ when Jesus took him to hell, uh, the experience of it. He said that the, that, and this is quoting him. Uh, he says that when he was there, that the earth was moving and that it was breathing. It, was, it felt alive. That he felt hopeless. He felt despair. He felt there was no way to get out. He obviously said, you know, that it was very dark. It was very gloomy. There was strong warmth. And really, I mean, it's just why would we want to be in that? And then just in Revelation chapter four and throughout the uh, throughout the book of Revelation. We'll see the the vision of heaven, and it's just why wouldn't you want to be in that? And there's been other um, people who've experienced heaven and hell, and they and they've given their testimonies of the beauties and the glories of heaven and and the terror of hell. And it's just it, once you hear that, you're account. The Bible says that we're accountable for what we know, and once you know this, you're accountable for it. So on the day of judgment, Jesus is going to say, "You knew, you knew about heaven and hell, and you still didn't make a decision." So you're you're going to be judged for what you know. You know this. You know truth. You know when when you're hearing this Bible said you're hearing truth. 
you're hearing the word of God spoken and now you're accountable for what you do with it. So really, you know, when we when we're hearing this of the eternity of heaven and hell, because it's eternal, there is no other way. And and really quick, I just want to touch on this because a lot of people always say, you know, why would a, uh, a just God give an eternal punishment for a temporal sin? And it's not and it, and it goes in it, and it's this reason it's that we're sitting in attendance an eternal God. So what is a, an equal or a equal punishment is an eternal punishment. Understand you're sitting in a tent against an eternal God, not against the temporal God. So in, in our times, you know, in, in human times, you know, our, the judgment is, is based upon, you know, the severity of, of the damage. Now I understand all sin, uh, you know, it, ha it has the weight, you know, you're sitting against an eternal God. So I understand we're sitting in against an eternal God and the, and the punishment for that is an eternal punishment. You know, if you were to kill someone uh, here on earth, you'd be charged life because that's, that's a punishment that equals the crime of the person. So now when you're sinning against an eternal God, that's that's the equal punishment is an eternal punishment. Now understand that our God, he does not want all people to perish. Actually in second Peter chapter three, verse nine or for, verse 19, I'm sorry, out of the passion translation, and I'm just doing the passion just because I love the passion translation. I mean, it just really, it really opens up something about the heart of God when you're reading through it. Uh, in Second Peter chapter three, verse nineteen or eighteen, I'm sorry, and I and I keep it up in my room uh, because just a just a, re a reminder to me. I can't find it, but it says that God, it is the God desires that not all men would perish, but would come into repentance. It is literally the will of God that we all come into repentance. It is His will that we come into repentance. Uh, he doesn't want us to perish, contrary to what a lot of people say. Who says, "Oh, he he takes joy in sending people to hell," and and he doesn't. He's a, understand that God is a judge. So we're gonna we're gonna look at God as a God, the judge, you know. So he's making fair and uh, fair and equal judgment. You know, you wouldn't want a judge laying off some just even one person. You wouldn't want a judge, you know, someone who killed someone to lay them to let them go free because it's not right. It's the same thing with God. He is a fair and just judge who judges accordingly. So, and he doesn't, he doesn't, it's not that he takes joy in it, but he executes judgment justly and fairly. And he, like I said, he doesn't want to send people to hell, but it's just the judgment being executed. He, once again, his desire is that all would come into repentance uh, and to, and to come in, and this is, I'm not going to add on to it, but you know, to come into repentance and repentance is coming into union with Christ. Um, I want to go back to one thing real quick before we go into the, the formula of this one. Was a scripture that says anyone who has an ear, anyone who with ears to hear must listen to the spirit. That key word is anyone, and it's basically who, with ears to hear. Basically, when you when you think of whoever hears, let them hear. It clues us in that it's a self evaluation. Uh, in Matthew chapter five, it talks uh, we're called the salt and the light, you know, of the earth. Uh, salt preserves and flavors and heals, and light shines in the middle of the darkness. These seven letters combined basically are a self-evaluation on how salty and how how light, how full of light and how shiny we are. So this is just a reminder of you know what are you doing? You know, are are, are what are you what are you doing with the word of God? What are you doing with um the spirit? What are you doing? What are you doing with the talents that God gave you? You know. So uh, I think that's that was something that really stuck out to me was it, like I, like we said earlier how it's a, a it's almost like a self report card it's a self like it's a, it's a self evaluation the 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 formula we saw in here remember I told you it was the description of Jesus the the commendation the reproof the instruction 
and the reward. Now I told, I mentioned it to you before, and you probably saw the same thing as we did. There was real no, there was no reproof in this one. the The description of Jesus in here was the first and the last died and rose again. The commendation was that they were rich in faith, that they preserved through persecution, but there was no reproof in this one. Their instruction was to stay faithful even to death. And people can't even do that now. Remember, we talked about earlier how there are people that that they ain't about that life. They can't they can't stick there. They can't stick it out. You you know some people that probably have been that way, where they're Christian one month and then all of a sudden they're not Christian the next month because Halloween's coming up and I want to go hang out with my friends. You know, I'm Christian. I'm Christian in September, but when it comes up to, when it comes October, it's it's time for me to go get that candy. You know, it's time for my kids to dress up. It's time for my kids to go hang out with their friends to go party. I'm Christian this day, but I'm not, we're not Christian this month. You know, there's people that are just like that where they're, they're half in one time, half out the next time. But there's people like this church who are faithful even till death, stay faithful till death. And what happens is you will get the victor's crown and eternal life. What I like about it, when you, when you put it all together, when you kind of like, when, when we get all the formula, completely shown it's going to tell you about all the instructions so right now we know about do what you did before and to stay faithful even to death it's going to add up and there's going to be a powerful formula when we come back back at the very end when we put all these letters together it's going to be awesome and i'll put us i'll put a graphic together when we get to that point i don't know about you josh but i'm looking forward to a victor's crown i'm i'm done with this this backbiting everyone's arguing every five seconds you can't even post a video on facebook because people are getting uh uh upset you can't you can't be you can't be christian in this world anymore because everyone's upset i'm kind of done with it i'm yeah. I, I want i want god to come back soon yeah so, i agree so far we're, we're we got the first two churches down okay we've we've talked about ephesus we've talked about smyrna so now we're going to get into uh pergamum verse 12 Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. He's talking about the, uh, the, the the messenger. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. If you don't know what that means, it's talking about the Bible. It's talking about the, the, the word of God. Uh, the word of God, is, is, it's been described as a sharp two-edged sword. We talked about that in chapter one. It's in his mouth, okay? Because the word of God says in John, John chapter one, uh, uh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. So, you know it's in his mouth so that's what i like about this 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 little scripture so we're gonna keep on going i know that you live in the city where satan has his throne yet you have remained loyal to me you refuse to deny me even when antipas my faithful witness was martyred among you there in satan city i don't know about you but imagine imagine having your city called satan city you can probably call that las vegas because that's pretty much all it is i've 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 gone there on vacation wishing like, man, that probably was like the worst place to go. Vacation. It's not, it, it's nice during the day, but at nighttime it is, you can't I mean, even during the day, but imagine that imagine your city being called Satan's city, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing uh, sexual sin. I'm going to keep on going one more and then we'll, we'll go ahead and stop. In a similar way, 
you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same uh, teaching. One more, uh, repent of your sin or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them uh, with the sword of my mouth. Getting into this, getting, uh, Jesus reveals his hatred for immorality. He's, he's talking about how he hates immorality. Okay. The purity of Jesus, uh, Jesus' doctrine cannot and should not be changed or compromised to appear more acceptable politically or socially. I don't care what you, you think, what you, what you think we were getting, I remember um, us doing a Bible study once and I, I probably, you guys probably saw me trip up just a little bit because it caught, it caught my attention. We, we were in the middle of a Bible study. It was me, uh, sister Shamika and Michael. Uh, it wasn't revelations. It was a couple, it was a while ago. And all of a sudden someone started going in the chats. I think it was on, on YouTube. Where do you stand on black lives matter? Where do you stand on, on abortions? Where do you stand on, on all this different stuff? And thank goodness I was able to, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to allow someone to, to come in and, and disrupt the, what the word of God is going to do. So I didn't, I didn't post it. Like it, usually when you comment, I'm, I'll, I'll post it up on here so we can see, but I'm not going to give Satan any room to try and distract us from what the word of God is trying to get us through. So it doesn't matter your agenda. It doesn't matter your, your politics. I, I'm not, oh, I'm not against Democrats. I'm not against Republicans. I'm not against it. I'm for the word of God. That's how I roll. I'm for whatever the word of God says. That's how I vote. That's how I live. That's what my standard is. So if it happens to fall in line with something, then that's, hey, that's what it's going to happen. But we do not adjust the word of God to fit any political belief, any standard or any terrorism thoughts. We do not believe in that at all. So I'm sorry if you think that that we should be following a standard of we should be acceptable for everyone. Yes, we accept every person that God loves them, but we do not care for their deeds. We do not care for what they're doing. Just like the, the, uh, the Nicholas, we don't, we, we hate their deeds. We don't hate the person. We hate their deeds. When you hear this, it's God himself saying that I don't put up with your political beliefs i don't put up the word of god remains forever that's how it's going to roll that's how it's going to stand so whether you believe this or not doesn't matter i believe in the word of god god trumps everything i'm sorry for the the use of word but that's the word that it is god trumps what god trumps trump god trumps uh biden god trumps everything else it's his word that remains so god is trying to talk to his people that i don't believe in immorality if the word of god says it's immoral i'm not going to stand by it and i won't compromise with it but there are too many churches just like this who have allowed compromise to come in. They've allowed compromise. I don't know if you can't say amen, say ouch, because that's, that's a hard word right there because there are too many churches where there's pastors preaching that homosexuality is okay. They're preaching all these other doctrines saying that this is okay. That's okay. When the word of God itself says that's not and they're compromising and they're losing their lampstand. I mean, it's just the weight of the statement of removing the lampstand. I mean, how can you really, how, how can you stand such a statement when, when God tells you that, or Jesus tells you that he's going to remove your lampstand from his place of influence. And then it says, Jesus says, so repent then or I'll come quickly to war against him with the sword of my mouth. <laughs> I mean, 
Jesus warring against you, I mean, <laughs> you'll see in the book of Revelation later on that you won't win. No matter how many armies you pull together, all of Earth's armies cannot defeat our God. <laughs> so I don't want to be at odds with it. That's just, ooh, that's just weighty. I mean, you just sit there and you just like, and, and the realization hits you of just like how serious every everything is. I mean, just how serious this this all is. Now tying into what we were just talking about in Psalm chapter five, I'll, I'll pull both King James and the Passion translation for this. But Psalm five chapter four. And the passion, it says, I know that you, God, are never pleased with lawlessness, and evil ones are never invited as guests in your house. Psalm 5, chapter 4 in the King James says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. That's just, I mean, that's just because people say that, you know, that, I mean, people will pervert literally God's love into something that it isn't. People will do, I mean, I believe it is Jude. If it's not Jude, then Titus. But I believe Jude is the one that says, you know, that there are those who come in, and I'm actually looking into that right quick. That those who come in and pervert the grace of God, they pervert it. They pervert it so they can, it fits their morals. And really, a lot of these pastors are the wolves in sheepskin that are out for their own gains under demonic influence and under um, demonic inspiration. In Romans chapter 11, verse 5, th this is just the inspiration for us as believers is that in Romans chapter 11, verse 5, it says, in the Passion, it says, and that is but one example of what God is doing in this age of fulfillment. For God's grace empowers his chosen remnant. Understand that if we are the remnant, we're empowered by God's grace to live through the, the, the darkness. We are empowered to live in these hard times. I mean, it's just we God gives us the power. You know, the Holy Spirit's within us to embolden us, to strengthen us, that we would do his will. With I just wanted real quick in the in this message, ah, in this letter to Pergamum. The, the description Jesus gives, gives of himself is a very, 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 very scary description. And it's scary as this, the passion. It says, for these are the words whose words pierce the hearts of men. It says that uh, in the passion, the footnote says, the one who has a sharp double-edged sword, which is an emblem of the word of God. This sword is not meant to destroy his beloved church, but is meant to pierce and circumcise our hearts. It has two edges, for it both blesses and corrects us. So understand that when God's word speaks to us, when it cuts us, understand that we receive the cut, it blesses and it corrects us. It, 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 is not, it does not destroy us, but it blesses and it corrects us into growing into God, into, into our union with him. A couple of things about the, the church of Pergamum, where it was located. It was located in the northernmost part of all the seven churches. So out of all the seven churches, this was the northernmost part. This was the northernmost church. In the Bible, the north is very important to understand. When we, when we see the north in the Bible, this is where God, this is where he reigns. This is where he dwells. We see this in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. I'll pull that in scripture real quick. And this will be out of the, the King James Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. And what and this is very important as we understand the north, as this is where God dwells. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will send into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, so the angels of God, and I'll sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So the north is where God dwells. And Job 37, 22, real quick, out of King James as well, Job 37, 22. These are both scriptures about the north and how it relates to God's dwelling place in his glory. 37, 22, it says, Fair weather cometh out of the north. 
where God has terrible majesty. So out of the north comes God's glorious majesty. So God dwells in the north. So Lucifer, Satan, uh, he wanted to send to that place. So the north is where God lives. It's where he makes his legislation and his and he and that's where he reigns. Now, so this is the northernmost church out of all the seven churches. So this is the northernmost church. That's very important to understand. Now, what's happening with this church spiritually is that there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of temples to Roman gods. I'm not really going to get into the one I really want to focus on. Asclepius was was a was a god of medicine, and what he was, he had a serpent. They actually had a big, uh, uh, what we wouldn't call it, a temple. He had, a, he had a large temple with him, and he has a staff of a of, of a serpent around. If you've ever seen the medical field, you know that has a, that has a sword or whatever, and has two snakes around it. That comes from him. So actually, already, you know, we see how demonic the city really is. As you know, it has a serpent leading everybody, and this uh, city also had the temple of Zeus which was the God of gods in Roman mythology. And so you could already see how just how demonically backed this city was. And this is where Satan, where he was sitting at throne spiritually because of everything demonic, all the pagan worship that was happening. So this is a nation that would be hostile towards Christians because Christians were the remnant. This church was the remnant. They, you know, they were standing uh, strong in everything that happened. This is our, our takeaway for tonight is that, you know, that no matter what happens, you know, no matter the pressures of the world, that we always have grace that empowers us and that God will always be backing our sound. You know, even though it may look like we're in the synagogue of Satan or the city of Satan, you know, that God will be with us. He will be strengthening us. He will be, you know, as we lift our voice and shout, hit the lion in the tribe of Judah will shout with us and the angels will shout with us. When when you hear this, Josh, about, about God bringing a judgment and, and no compromise, <laughs> What do you think is going on in the church right now? There's a lot of compromise going on in the church, I say, because I feel like one scripture that I was I was looking at was Galatians 1, 6 and 7. It says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by grace of Christ for a different gospel, which Man. is not another. Only there are some people. Well, I'm not going to say some people. <laughs> <laughs> My, my, man, that, that's a hard hurt. Keep going. Which, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Oh. I think that message speaks for itself. You know, it's, it's very self-explanatory that a lot of people are deserting the full gospel and taking parts that benefits them. Yeah. Treating like a buffet line. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I feel like that's a big problem in the church because the whole... You know, the Bible, God says, preach the whole gospel. He didn't say bits and pieces. And the judgment for those who do that, you know, the last thing I ever want is God's wrath and on me because that that is that's scary alone. But, you know, God's expression behind how he feels about that to preach partial. He gave full instructions, but we're given only a percentage of what he's mm -hmm. saying. You know, and 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 the judgment behind that, I mean. It's something that you would never want to imagine, right? <laughs> you would never want to imagine the judgment behind that, you know? So like I told, you know, me, I'm sorry. I love everybody, but in the same sense, I love God more. So if it's something that I have to say, I'm going to say it because the thing of it is we all are held accountable for, for what we do. And to know that God say, preach my whole word and you preach partial, you're held accountable for that. And also right. held accountable for those souls that you didn't reach because you you withheld what God wanted you to say and do. 
and that's a that's a major that's a major judgment coming upon you because the God sees that blood on your hands. Wow, man! Um, I where it brings to mind when people try to do everything they can to make it palatable for people. People don't understand how God be a God of miracles. So let me try to make it more understandable to you. For those of you who who actually went out and watched that movie about uh, Noah and the Ark with um, what was his name? Not Noah and the Ark. The other one, the uh, the Ten Commandments one with uh, Christian Bale. I think it was Christian Bale where they try to justify why the River Nile turned to blood. They 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 said all these crocodiles were killing each other. And the, it just filled the river with blood. Um, they they try to uh, explain why the those pestilence and flies is because all these cows died and and maggots were everywhere and, and that's not, nobody can just accept on on that God is a God of miracles to do things. So they try to make it palatable. Hollywood does the best any way possible to make it palatable and understandable. They're willing to con- change the word of God to fit their narrative. That's what they do. That's what the world does. So they will make it compromisable and they'll change everything. We're going to read this last verse and we're going to, we're going to wait on the next book. Cause I'm telling you uh, on the next, uh, the next letter to Theotira, it's going to be fire because it talks about how they're in bed with Jezebel. So we're going to wait on that one. We're going to do that one. We we're, we're probably gonna have to separate this out in a bit. So I'm going to read the last uh, scripture one more real quick before we get going anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches to everyone who is victorious i will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven and i will give to each one a white stone and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it i don't think a lot of people understands what it means to to be an overcomer uh, Jesus promises to fill, fill the needs of his faithful followers. He t- he's talking about he, those who, who follow after me, who, who say, I will take care of you. I'll give you manna from heaven that you've never seen before, you know, that you've never experienced before. I'm going to give you a blessing that you've never touched before. I'm going to bring you out uh, into another level that you've never experienced before. That's what God is trying to get to understand of these people. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give each of the one a white stone. I will give you a new name, but people have called you before. They're not going to call you that anymore. What people have uh, put upon you, they're not going to, they're not going to do that to you anymore. I don't know about you, but that excites me. You know, I've been called many things in my life. I've been called many names in my life, but I want God to give me a new name. I want to, I want God to give me a, a new blessing. I want new manna that I've never touched before and a, a new glory that God's never showed me before. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to pour out my life. Like I've never experienced in my life. And that's what this is saying about, I will, I like that part. I will give you some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. It's like, um, I don't know about you guys ever done this. I've probably done this. I'm pretty sure I've done this. If you've got kids, you've probably done this. So uh, don't judge me. I've tried hiding ice cream or like that in, in ways of like, oh, you can't have this. You're allergic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you you can't have these cookies. It's, it's got nuts in it. You're allergic. Or you, it's got cherries in it. You won't like this. It tastes bad. It's meant for grownups. Where it's like you put things away. So I've done stuff right. I've uh, I've hidden like ice cream sandwiches in bags of peas in the fridge. So <laughs> don't judge me. I there's some of you have done that. Okay, I'm not the only one. Where you put stuff away. Where you put the good stuff away. Okay, you you've you've uh, uh me are uh, like okay. I have a deep freeze. 
where I have like a it's just stacked with meat, or there's the big steaks, where's the big ribs, where's you can't, I kid you not, it looks like a butcher shop in there. I put all the good stuff in there, and usually every now and then when like when Josh when you came over, I cook the I pull I pull out from there I pull out the good stuff. Imagine what it's like that with God. Now check this out. This is in the book of Revelations. This is the book of Revelation. This is after Exodus. This is after you know uh, uh, the the miracles. This is after Jesus is ministry. This is this is after all that stuff that you've already read from uh, from Genesis all the way to Jude. So now it's saying, I will give you what you have yet to even see. And it's going to come your way if you stay faithful. Can you imagine that? That God's about to give you something that you have yet to even understand or see? There's a I've, there's something in manna that you have yet to taste. There's a manna that you have yet to even grasp onto that is coming your way. It's on the way if you just remain faithful, if you just stay and under, get that victor's crown. You don't understand it. Jesus opened up the eyes of the blind. He unstopped the deaf ear. He helped the mute to speak. He, you know, he walked on water. He did all this stuff. But yet there is still coming a victory. There's still coming a power. There's still coming a glory that you have yet to even taste of. It's on the way if you remain faithful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you you hear that it reminds me of when 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 moses says you know god showing us your glory when when you hear that there's more of an opening that you've never experienced before what does that tell you that's our eternity our eternity is that jesus or god will reveal himself afresh and that we will throw our crowns and we'll worship him and that's just it's that saw it's that cycle it's that re- repeated cycle that's what that's what we're going to be doing god's going to be revealing to us things that we never even knew you know, the last uh, verse of John says that if we write everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it all. If, if that's the case of what Jesus did on earth, what else is there that, that we don't know about? And he's just going to keep revealing that to us. He's just going to keep revealing. And we're just going to be sitting there like, God, you're so good. We're just going to keep throwing down our crowns. You know, it's going to come put it back on our heads. We're going to throw it down. And it's just going to be that repeat. We're going to keep going back and forth. And it's just going to be beautiful. I mean, that's just... That alone is just power. It's just amazing when, when we hear about that. I mean, what, what what are we looking forward to? I think I wrote that right, but no, that's, that's it, it really it really is just the most beautiful thing is that there's still more of God that we don't know, and right. in eternity we'll we'll be he'll be revealing to us for eternity. He'll be revealing himself to us. You know, right. it'll be God. How did you create? It? how did you create earth and he'll show us how you created earth and he'll create a new earth and he'll he'll just be showing us how he did everything and we'll just be sitting there in awe of who he is and it's just beautiful yeah part of me really hopes i'm I'm praying that god's got like this big screen tv and he's going to show us like he would say hey god can you put it on rewind the creation of earth god can you show us how 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 the flood went i want to see like i want to i would love from all the imagery we've seen in the Bible, I would love for God to show us stuff like I mean, my, my, um, Josh, when when just hearing that scripture, just sh- like a show me your glory kind of moment. What yeah, do you? I, it's almost it almost reminds you of that song. I can only imagine. What do yeah. you think? I mean, I just know it's gonna be amazing, man. I mean, it's not really no worry, way to put it in words. I mean, because I mean, God is already showing us amazing things even in this time, but just to show us more, it's really no way to explain it. And, and, it, and it shows you that the suffering is worth it. I mean, when you look into your eternity, you know, and the things that we deal in this world right now, it's nothing compared to the blessing that's coming our way. 
and the things that God is going to reveal to us and give to us because of suffering for his name's sake. You know, so I just think, man, I'm just ready to see every wonder, you know, like yeah. I got a lot of questions that I want to, you know, I want to answer, you know. So I think it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Like God, what what was the name of the boy? Because you never you don't really read about. What's the name of the boy who get, who who brought the fish and the loaves of bread? You know, they don't say his name. I would like to know his name. I want to know what his name was. That'd be kind of cool stuff like that. Like the 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 hidden the hidden stories behind that. So, thank you so much for joining us this Monday night. We know we went a few minutes over, but we thank you guys so much for being with us. Don't forget, next week we will get into the end of revelation chapter two and we'll be going into revelation chapter three so i'm telling you next week is gonna be a hard hitting uh letter because it talks about a church that uh, has allowed jezebel in and jezebel is no joke so why don't we go ahead and pray as we get ready to dismiss father god i thank you god for your word i thank you god for what you've spoken god yes. let it be a seed planted in our hearts god let our hearts be good ground let us not just stay here uh, with the word God, but let us take it with us everywhere we go. Let me mm -hmm. study and show myself approved, as it says in Second uh, Timothy, God, a workman that need not be ashamed of the gospel, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for everything you have done, you're doing, and continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you who are watching, those of you who are listening to us on Spotify, those who make sure you share this as much as you can so that way people get to hear it. If you want to get prepared for us next week, if you want to get prepared and get uh, understanding, maybe uh, you want to understand what's going on, go ahead and finish reading chapter two and then start beginning to read chapter three. So we're going to get into uh, those. Uh, we're going to we're going to definitely focus a lot on this next letter, which is the letter to Theatira. Uh, so really get into that. Understand who Jezebel is. Understand what the, the, the spirit that's attacking the church is the spirit of Jezebel. It feels like it's time. I know I preached on it a couple months ago, but maybe it might be time to me dust off that sermon and and re redo it and re uh, get back into it. And we probably I think it's time for us to, to teach about Jezebel again because people don't understand that Jezebel is not just a person; it's a spirit that attacks mm -hmm. you. When you think that you're under depression, that's a spirit of Jezebel. It's like a spirit of control. It's a, a, a spirit that's trying to stop revival. That's trying to stop the power of the Holy Spirit. That's trying to stop right. you. The spirit that's trying to stop it. People always think that Jezebel is a person. It doesn't always have to be a person. It could be the spirit that is oppressing you and stopping you from the growth and prayer and the Holy Spirit. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We got a wonderful time. Do me a favor, hit that like button. Make sure you share it because the more likes we get on this, the more people on your friends list gets to see it. So I'm going to make sure when I get off right now, I'm going to share this again. Love you guys so much. God bless. Have a great night. Thank you for joining the Crossway Church Sermons Podcast. If you are blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, visit our website, www.crosswayaz.com and click Give.